Tim, it's uh, it's it's after the Super Bowl. There's no more football. Uh, I don't know about you. Um, definitely too old for this shit. Quote, tweet me on that. Needed most of Monday to recover. Um, not from all the the Super Bowl bets that I lost, of which there were plenty. Um, mm-hmm. not to pick up any sort of decency because I had none after I espoused from the mountaintop about uh, how the Chiefs are going to win. So yeah. this is this 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 is like that episode in Game of Thrones where like Cersei has to make the Walk of Atonement. That's what this episode is. So I would prefer yeah. that we get through this shit as quickly as possible because this is embarrassing for me. But uh... <laughs> I uh, I am lay sad uh, that there is no football. I will yeah. stop short of saying we like a lot of New England fans because oh that's good. I understand, I understand that is this, is this acceptance the wrong way? <laughs> is um, this the five stages of grief? You finally accepted nah. that. Uh, there have been uh, there have been other teams that we would have jokingly called uh, the Pats B team, like take the Niners for example, who basically plucked five players, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. You have two guys, and I don't know if I would necessarily say Brown is a Patriot. Was he on the Patriots prior to his life falling apart and then coming back to football? Sure, but I wouldn't necessarily put him in the same ballpark as Gronkowski and a, and a Tom. But anyway, did Lashawn we'll McCoy win back to back Super Bowl rings with different teams and not play a snap for either team in either Super Bowl? I mean, yeah. you know, things I, happen. Yeah, yeah. But, All right. Uh, I'm here for it, Sam. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here terrible. for it. It's terrible. It's terrible. Let, let me go do this intro thing and let's just get this murder on with. I, 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 no, okay. <laughs> Matt, nothing I'm going to say is going to make it sound good. Just know that I'm making it a joke. I'm not actually saying this is a, a murder or massacre. Anyways, episode 44 of Stats to Matter. It's the one with the last football game of the 2020 season. Tommy B got his seventh ring. He's now in undisputed territory. We talked about this before, but now he's like in way undisputed territory. Uh, in our cups this week. Double IPA from New York, New York. And I think you got something that's like off of the dip. I, I do. I do. I got a uh, a little Super Bowl winning victory drink here. Uh, we're going to step it up a little bit in celebration of history making. The wee thing there again. From, uh, from, no, we. You and uh, I yeah. witnessing history. Um, but uh, a little Islay single malt scotch here I'm about to open that I won uh, in a bet against all the naysayers. Uh, uh, beer, beer, store, beer store doing something fierce this week. Everyone, of course, listen to this episode. Download, like it, share it, subscribe. Find Stats No Matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. We're on the tweet sphere at Stats Podcast. And we're on the IG. And we don't slide in no DMs that are not breweries. Ad stats don't matter. Let's get into this. Let's go. So, you're going to have to go ahead and uncork the, you know, the Pappy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2013 Pappy or whatever it is that you have there. But uh, I got this awesome uh, double IPA from this this brewery I've never heard of until recently called Non Sequitur Beer Project out of New York, New York. It's called Love Your Friends, Die Laughing. New England double IPA, Strata and Enigma hops, and it says it smells like grapefruit, Pinot Gris, and dank nugs. Enjoy this beer in your yard with your friends and a 12-foot-tall hardware store skeleton, 8%. I don't really know necessarily that I want a 12-foot uh, skeleton in my backyard, but I will have this double IPA. Hmm. What about this guy? Oh. 
Oh, it's, yeah. it's dank nugs for sure on the nose. Not that I would have any <laughs> um, frame of reference for what that might be like. Okay. Mostly I mean, illegal. We were all in, co- we were yeah. all in college once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely... It's definitely uh, a little bit on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would help me on Monday. This is the thing. This is a quick segue. I don't like taking pills at all. Like Advil, Tylenol, like I refuse to do it. And it's like a yeah. swallow thing for me. Like I hate doing it. So like, you know, Chelsea would be like, we'll put it in ice cream. Mm-hmm. We'll crush it up. And I'm like, no, what are we doing? Like, I'm not a, I'm not a seven-year-old. Like, I'm just going to I'm just gonna tough it out. She's like, you're going to be miserable. I'm like, yes, I will be miserable, but I will be fine. And I'll just drink water, have some Gatorade, eat some greasy food, go for a run. And I do all of those things, but it takes me around seven and a half or eight hours after I wake up to, to go through the whole process. At the end of the day, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm back. But she's like, you could have literally cut the recovery time in like a third if you had just hmm. taken two Advil. But yeah. All right. Let's see. Haven't used this on the podcast yet. Really quaffable. <laughs> someone's been uh someone has been taking beer lessons i sure have um it it for a double ipa it's actually really smooth i i do think that the the pinot gris comes in a lot more like those flavors uh definitely more than the dank nugs dank nugs maybe more on the nose when you smell it but i i happen to like beers that take on that that wine like quality uh one just gonna be selfish and just say i can convince people who like wine to drink beer so that's always mm-hmm. helpful but um, it really does provide like a little bit of a juice layer. Um, and of course, red wine barrel sours are, they're my thing. So I like that. Yeah. I'm probably going to give that, I'll give that a, uh, let me give it a four, three, four, three. Nice. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, this is kind of cool. So mine came in this, uh, pretty cool, fancy little tube. Um, I haven't really been into scotches for a little while. I've kind of made the switch over. So I kind of got away from all whiskeys for a little bit. But lately, I've been really back into the whiskeys. I don't drink a ton anymore. So if I'm going to sit down and have a drink, sometimes I'd rather opt in for a, a nice little glass of, you know, some high-end whiskey and call it a day versus sitting down and having two or three beers at night just, just for all the calories or whatnot. But this... Um, Shout out to Drizzly. This is not a sponsor, but shout out to Drizzly. Uh, a colleague of mine chose to go against the all-powerful, all-knowing uh, Tim and lost. <laughs> so she she sent me a uh, we we put a bottle of whiskey on it, and she sent me this. Uh, she's a huge Scott fan, Scotch fan, so she sent me uh, Lafroy, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, it's an Islay single malt. It's a Scotch whiskey. It's their quarter cask series. Uh, it is supposedly a very, very good uh, bottle. Uh, so we're going to try this out. I don't know how we're going to work this this rating system because it's been so long since I've had high-end scotch. But um, ooh, smells pretty good. It did come with this cool little pamphlet that says, uh, claim your free square foot of our island. I'm about to become like an owner. Oh, Lord. A square a, foot of uh, a, a duke of island here. Uh, Remember when Cards of Humanity did that uh, with with an island in Maine? They 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 yeah. gave everyone who bought like one of the expansion sets like one square foot of like a main island. Yeah. All right. <sighs> so, Sam, do you like scotches? Are you it's partaking funny, in many scotches? Funny story. I've 
partaking in exactly two scotches. The first one took me forever to drink with a uh, a big ass piece of ice and newsflash, I didn't finish it. And the second time, I shot it. That's a terrible idea. It is a very terrible idea. Very terrible. So, uh, no, okay. the, the short answer is no. I, I do not partake in that. I don't really okay. feel like uh, being a dragon uh, by the time I finish a glass. All right, fair enough. So here's the key to anybody who wants to get into scotches, and here's how I got into it originally. Uh, also, shout out to Grant Street, the apartment. Many of you who listen to this may uh, know of, including Sam. Uh, I lived there after, in some of my college years, uh, we had some guys who lived above us who were really big into scotches. And the way we did it is every time I stepped foot in their apartment, no matter what it was for, I had to take a sip of a bottle of scotch. And what we did is we would alternate high end and low end and high end and low end. And there was, I know the day specifically, I went upstairs to borrow, no joke, an egg and uh step foot. And mm. uh, they went over, they had one of those turnstile bottle shot glass things oh. where you like hold oh. it under and it just pours oh. it. They go, here you go. And I took a sip and I was like, oh, I, can taste the different notes between this one and the one you gave me last week. And then that's what it was. Now, scotches tend to be a little bit too smoky a lot of times. That peat isn't there for me, which is why I've sort of moved more towards the, the whiskey, bourbon, rye style. But um, I'm not going to turn one of these down. Let's see. It smells like a campfire. That's also the thing I don't, I don't really... Maybe I just don't appreciate about... Uh about the scotchy scotch there. And also because Anchorman was just not one of my top five films. So, you know. So it tastes like a cigar. Not necessarily like in a bad way. It tastes like... Like a a Garcia Vega or... No, like a high-end... Joke, obviously. Uh, So, I will say... Still, scotch is not my favorite compared to some of the other stuff I've had over the last couple weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, it smells... It literally smells like I'm sitting in front of a campfire surrounded by mossy oak wood. Um, and every sip tastes like a haul off of a cigar. We should be doing like the Vito Corleone or the, uh, the, Supre- the Tony Soprano. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to give it a rating because I don't know how I'd stack this up against other ones. Uh, so this, from now on, is my my baseline. If I have another scotch, I'll be able to compare it to this one, better or worse. Um, hmm. But it's interesting. This is one that's probably going to age in the closet for or up in the, the liquor cabinet for a while, and I'll bring it out every now and again if someone's over with scotches. But I think for me, I'm going to lean more towards... Uh, my bourbons and whiskeys. Um, anybody who likes bourbon and whiskeys or wants to get into it, look for Elijah Craig Single Barrel. It's their smaller, uh, their smaller batch series. But take it one step further and look for store picks. Store picks, I've just recently learned about all the rage. Basically, a store has sent several samples from the distillery. They get to... Uh, sample all of them, select one, and then the store gets all of the contents of that barrel. So whatever that flavor is will be specific to that location. 
uh, and Elijah Craig, their barrel picks are our store picks are like $30. It's the most underrated, underpriced beer I've seen in any package store. It could easily be twice the cost. So it, it could easily be something that's a, a $50 to $60 price range. So if you like whiskeys or you want to get into whiskeys, Elijah Craig, single barrel store pick, go get it. All right. <clears throat> we have now got to this momentous point in the podcast where uh, we're going to talk about the last football game of this uh, this 2020 season. The season we almost didn't think was going to happen. The season almost got derailed by multiple COVID outbreaks. The season almost got derailed by, you know, many, many viral moments. Um, let's Let's just, you know what? <sighs> Jesus Christ. Tim, please, air quotes here. Don't forget to take your foot off the gas while you're roasting me. Take it away, fine sir. Take it away. I won't. I won't. I know you got a lot of info to to spew at the people, so I'll let you uh, pontificate a little bit more than I will here. Um, oh. However, oh, you see what he's doing? He's do, he, he's he's setting me up again. He's saying not only did you hang yourself out to dry the, the first time, I'm gonna let you do it a second time. No, so. no, no. I want to celebrate uh, more that you know we're sad that this is the last football game of the season but this is also uh your last l of the season (laughs) (laughs) we didn't we didn't take count but it's uh it's good okay look only only a few things i'm going to talk about here okay four of them penalties okay ass versus rush yep uh defense yep and then the last thing we'll round it out with um the last thing to point out, right? So th- these are my Jeopardy categories. Let's let's start off with with penalties from the first, okay? All right. Now, don't, well, hold don't, on. Let me let me get something out of the way real quick as we mm. segue into the penalty portion of this. If you're sitting at home and bitching and moaning, saying that penalties are the reason Kansas City lost this game, you're out of your goddamn mind. This is just a, it's a terrible, terrible take. It's a weak argument, and it's nothing more than an out. What it is, is a sloppy team who finally got exposed by someone who game-planned appropriately and found ways to stop Tyreek down the field and keep Mahomes from being able to connect with Kelsey when that happens. The Kansas City Chiefs were the fourth most penalized team in the entire league this entire season. From 2008, when Patrick Mahomes, and this isn't me putting any blame on Patrick Mahomes. I'll explain why I'm making this point here in a second. But from 2018 until now, playoffs included, only one other team has been penalized more, and it was the Jaguars. The reason we bring that up and the reason that that's important is what it shows you is how much Patrick has been able to hide some of that super inconsistent and sloppy play. When you're giving up lots of penalties and you're on a team that has a mediocre to semi-decent quarterback, that's a, a lot to overcome. When you're on a team that has a superstar quarterback, it's easy to miss some of those things. And then when suddenly those things get brought into uh, focus during big games like the Super Bowl and ultimately end up determining the outcome, everyone's going to look at it like, oh, the flags. They threw more, they threw less flags this entire season than they have in any of the last. Yep. Yeah. So it's not like that they were out there just throwing flags all over the place. You can look at some of those plays and say, okay, 
Should it have been like illegal contact downfield? Should it have been a holding versus a, a passing interference call? Was that ball catchable? That's a better argument than saying that there was no penalty there in a lot of those cases. Like, yeah, it, it's it, like at the same time, you're also putting the judgment who you're complaining about the refs making judgment calls that cost the game. You're asking them to make judgment calls as to whether or not Mike Evans could lay out and catch that ball. Like it's the same kind of argument. If he wasn't being held, if it's, if it doesn't matter how light or hard his foot was touched or the back of his body, if it caused him to trip and prevent him from making a play, that's a penalty. You got to leave it up to the ref to determine whether or not he could have continued on to make a play on the ball. Or if the ball was too far away, Either way, it was a penalty. Would have given them the first down. They would have continued down the field anyway. It's just, it's it's one of those just weak excuses when a team is rooting so hard against the other one that they need an excuse to find a way out. When in reality, it was more than that. It was the fact that uh, the end rushers were incredibly fast in beating guys who were backups because let's not forget they had three guys that were out for COVID protocols and just the, those guys on the edge on like five different occasions watching that game. I said to the people and I was like, Holy shit, is it me or are both of those ends incredibly quick? They were like making plays. They were making moves. They were keeping up with Patrick who again was injured. He had turf toe. You could see as he was moving around, like there was, there's a lot that went into this game that caused the outcome that are far more realistic reasons than blaming it on the penalties. I mean, they just destroyed themselves with it, but they were out three guys for COVID protocol. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was legitimately hurt and could barely walk in between plays and their offensive line just could not stop the outside edge rush, which kept Mahomes pocket. Yeah, he, he was sure. Yeah. He moved all over the place. He was able to avoid taking sacks. But if you if you mix that with the way they took Hill out of the game, they had a tier where within the first 15 yards, you had a linebacker, then you had a corner, and then beyond that, you had a safety. So no matter what depth he was in the field, there was, all, there was always two people close enough to make plays, and it took him out of the game almost completely. Like He was pretty much a non-factor the entire time. He had a total of 73 yards on seven catches because he was able to, and the only reason he had so many yards is because he can make so many moves after the fact. Now you had a couple big drops, a couple bounces off some faces uh, on plays. Mahomes looked like, you know, a miracle worker diving to his right, flicking it downfield. So Hill was one of those that dropped him. So you had a lot of like just inconsistent play across the board, but it wasn't penalties that cost him this game. All right. I, it, let me, let I me, mean, let me take, let me, let me rephrase that. Penalties did help cost them the game, but it wasn't the refs who threw the penalties that cost them the game. It was the the sloppy play on behalf of the Chiefs that generated penalties that helped the outcome of the game. And I mean, you can make that point. 15 total flags, 169 yards. Of that 169 yards, 120, a buck 20 yep. Yep. went to the Chiefs. Um, that's going to be that's going to be difficult for you to overcome, no matter what team you are, if you're the Chiefs or not. Um, you could be upset about the defensive holding calls because they might not have called it to that standard this, this, you know, in this season. But you made it to the last game. You should know we can't just assume we're going to be able to get holding calls here, right? When Tyreek 
streaks by a guy and that guy panics and grabs him, don't you get that DPI? Yeah, you do. So shouldn't you expect that it's going to happen back to you on the other side? Of course. Yep. You can be kind of upset about the possible Tyron Matthew inter- interception of Tom Brady, which is wiped out by you know an offsetting penalty. Cool. To be honest, that's it. Being offsides in a field goal attempt when you're a veteran and you should not be offsides when this team has a history of being offsides against teams in the postseason, right? When the Chiefs, you know, lost in overtime against the Patriots a couple of years ago, like th- those are coaching things. You should you should have fixed those. Um, it, it's inexcusable, right? Holding calls are inexcusable when you know the rush is coming, when you know that your line has issues. Your uh, center is probably the only person that you had any amount of reliability with there because you had people out for COVID. You had people who tore their Achilles. You had someone who who decided he wanted to opt out and go fight the good fight against coronavirus in Canada, his, his home country. You're going to have to scheme things away. You're always going to have to have plans and what you're going to do. You have to play smarter football. Penalties were a very big reason why the Chiefs went 3-13 and on third down in this game, 100%. Their defense was not giving them any helps, which we'll talk about in a second, but you still got to go out there. You got to convert, right? The Bucs went 4-12 for on third down. Really, really similar. You get a couple of those penalties, yeah, maybe maybe things go your way, but you, you can't hold. You can't go down 21-6 before half and, and then settle for field goals, right? You got to play smarter football. You got to remove a few of those penalties. That's what I think they had to do. The Chiefs had a great shot at winning this game, and you can't blame the refs for the calls. This is the thing that is absolutely crazy. The players are the ones who are ultimately responsible for making those mistakes. But as Tara McCauley stated, right, who's the you know the ref analyst for CBS, that neither of those defensive holding calls he felt met the standard that was called all season. Remember this: the referee crews are made up of the highest graded positions on the referee mm-hmm. side of the field. For the entirety of the season. Now, Tim, how do they get those high scores? They make correct calls. They get grades on it the same way that players get PFF grades for whiffing a block or holding up in pass protection. So that means you're going to get the best set of referees. And that set of referees, if you watch film on an opponent and you know what their second or third wide receiver is going to do, you should also have plenty of options for you to figure out what the refs are going to call or what they're not going to call. And if you didn't know that, oh, you'd also have a production meeting where the refs are going to meet with you and tell you exactly what they're going to call. So I don't want to hear it. You had a chance, and, yeah, penalties got in the way, and you couldn't find a way to overcome it. That's what happens sometimes in football. It's tough. You can't say, well, the penalties beat us. No, you, the players, have to commit those penalties. So, like, I I agree. You you can't – you got to get off that train and say the penalties are the reason why they lost. That's That's not the case, okay? Here, here's the reason why they might have lost, though. Pass versus rush. Now, there are some teams out there who like to go 50-50 split. You know, th- there's a magic number of plays they shoot for, but they want to be 50% pass, 50% run. And, they're, and the, the traditional school thought there is we keep the defense honest. We make it look like we're going to run, but we pass. We make, it, we make them think we're going to pass, and then they give us something underneath, and we run it up the gut anyways, right? The, the, the part there is you're being unpredictable. You're zigging when the other team's zagging, which, again, if you're a guy like Tom Brady who's been in the league for about 80 million years, you probably know exactly what to do because you've learned enough through film study. And I I lay on my sword here. I I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, the Chiefs are always pulling some shit out from like 1908 that no one's seen. They didn't do any of that this time. They just stuck to whatever the game plan was. Think about this. 49 passes, 17 runs. 49 passes. 
when you have a quarterback that's running for his life back there because the pocket cannot stay, why in the world are you allowing plays to develop downfield when you know they're going to be double covered, triple covered, and you're hoping that he just makes a magic throw? Save the magic for when you absolutely need it. And sometimes that means you need to run into a stack box. You need to say to the other team, we're going to be more physical than you right now, and you think you know it's coming, but you don't. Or even if you do know, we're going to run power, and we're going to run right into your face. Or as Marshawn Lynch might say, run through a mother effer's face. Okay? Mm. They didn't do that. 17 runs. You're down 21 to 6 at halftime. You come out, and you just keep firing. I understand that the game script might have dictated, like, you need to score some points. You also need to give your defense a break because they clearly could not stop anyone in the first half. And they're pissed, but you need to go out there, and you need to save their legs on the back end instead of saying, oh, Mahomes. Well, you know, next-gen stat says you're going to rack up a lot of yards tonight. Next-gen stats also said he racked up 497 yards by himself running away from would-be sacks and tackles. He only got sacked twice. There's about 11 incompletions in this game where you're just like, there's no way. There's no way. Absolutely no way. And then the worst thing happens. It bounces off a receiver's face mask. The receiver has it in their hands. They drop it. It goes over their shoulder. All of those things begin to build up against you. And then you get... You, you look through your, your straw and you go, oh, my God, we have to keep throwing the ball. We have to keep throwing the ball. No, you don't. You need to run the ball. You need to be trying to screen. You need to play action pass. You, need, like, there's, you, you mean to tell me that Biennemi and Reed didn't have anything that they could have thrown? Like, I believe they could have because it's the last game of the season. You have to throw the kitchen sink out there. If your O-line's thoroughly getting worked, then you've got to have some options. You just do. And it's not like you didn't have a couple weeks to plan for it. So to me, this is like, and I've seen this take out there that it might have been like a little bit of arrogance. Like if I see almost 50 passes and 17 runs, that to me says, hey, what happened to you in week 12 when we laid waste to your defensive secondary? We're going to do it again, and you can't stop us. I I get it because you have Mahomes, you have Tyreek Hill. But after that, you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You have Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman. You have some Byron Pringle, like, you know what I mean? Like when you, you said it best, when you have the, the one and two option is taken away, where is your third option? Where's your fourth option? Where are you going to go with that? And sometimes that that's game flow. Okay. So like you have to be paying attention to that. The chiefs actually ran it for 6.3 yards a clip. Here's the problem. They didn't run it enough. The bucks actually only ran it for four and a half yards a clip, but they just kept going out there. They just kept pounding the line. And then Leonard Frenetic gets a 28 yard touchdown. That's how that happens. You know, Which like is beautiful, I, by the way. I, I would have loved to see, because we've been talking so much about the the play calling ability and everything. I would have loved to see just something different, just throwing it back there so that Tampa Bay, the defense, couldn't pin their ears back every drive. I mean, they got guys that came off COVID, guys that came off injured reserve, and they were fresh and they were ready to go. At this point in the season, almost no one's ready to go. So if you have two edge rushers, like you said, that are coming off and they, they look lightning quick, it's because they are. They haven't, they haven't dealt with the wear and tear for the last seven weeks like some of these other people have. I mean, the defensive line was getting home with three-man rushes, four-man rushes, and five-man rushes all night. You were saying they are playing cover three. They had someone at the, the middle, uh, intermediate, and deep level. There was nothing that was going to be downfield. That, to me, says stop looking for the home run play. Dink and dunk. Dink and dunk. Go Tom Brady for a little bit. Dink and dunk. Just go back. It, it just doesn't make sense. You toss it 49 times, you connect on 26 of them. At some point, you have to look at the game flow of the game and just say, yeah, we might need to change this up here a little bit. And that, that is halftime. We give you 15 minutes, so you should do it then. 
you have these eye popping passes that are bouncing off people's hands, bring it, rein it back in a little bit. But no, the Chiefs have that story last year, right? They ran wasps. They found it. Tyreek Hill on third and 21. They believe the home run threat's always there. Of course it is. But sometimes take the layup. Sometimes the pitcher you're going against is going to give you a slider and you want to crush it out of the park, but you can't. You got to take a base hit and just deal with it. And that just did not happen in this game. I don't understand why they just chose not to at least change up the flow a little bit. Um, and again, you, you can't trade defenses when you're, you can't trade field goals when your defense is giving up touchdown, which speaking of, that, that that's the next point. Defense. We always mm-hmm. said, oh, go go draft, you know, New Orleans skills players in fantasy because their defense is terrible. Same thing with like, you know, the, geez, there's a lot of teams that are like that, right? Kansas City was always one of those teams. They, they traded, they're trying to get some new players in there to make their defense a little tougher, okay? But they're not defensively sound. Now, after the game, some Bucks players related that Tom Brady sent them texts this week hyping them up. We're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. How are we going to do it? Well, one of those texts talked about how soft the KC players were in regards to tackling. I mean, if I have Tom Brady texting me at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night telling me, hey, you can hit this hole and they're not going to tackle you, I'm going to feel like I can run through a brick wall. I'm just being honest. I'm not even a football player. I'm thinking that's probably going to happen. But if you watch the film, it clearly looked like the Chiefs players did not want to actually wrap up and tackle. It looked like they wanted to get pressure when they could in the beginning, and then they were hoping something was going to happen downfield with, you know, uh, Legereus Sneed and Tyra Matthew because, like, we'll use the Fournette touchdown as an example. That dude just ran into the line. Someone tried to tackle him by shoulder pads, and he just he just shimmied out of it, and he just went to the, went to the edge. Like, you can't be doing that. This is the last game of the season. This is not week two. This is not preseason. This is not, you know, week 17 before you, like, take a week off and go to the playoffs. Like, Leonard Fournette has a rushing touchdown in four straight postseason games. Leonard Fournette wasn't even on a team at the beginning of this year because the Jags took him in the first round and then said, nah, we're done with him. That's a really big deal, right? Because you get the the game flow and the usage out of a player and you see something on film you know you can exploit and you just have the audacity to go full send and and go for it. They keep the running game going, keeps the defense honest, but to be brutally honest, like how – how good was the Kansas City defense all season, right? They have a couple, you know, pieces here and there. They got Chris Jones. They got Frank Clark. They got Tyron Matthew. But they have, like, one person to every level of the defense, which on paper says you should be great. However, you have to execute the scheme, right? It, it's just like the whole week, all the hype, all the hype, Tom Brady, Tyron Matthew. Oh, I got to know where the other one's on the field. You watch that game. It looked like early on Brady's like, I'm going to throw right at you. I'm going to see if you want the smoke today. And it appeared after he got that holding call, um, you know, and the, the interception was like turned out like there was so much chirping going on between them. And I don't want to say one player got in the other player's head. They were like yelling at each other in the field, which was good from a competitive standpoint, because that's kind of what you want to see. However, you and I have been watching football long enough to know, Tim, that once Tom Brady gets in your head, that's it. Like you, you have to do something different from then on. So, you're facing a guy who's been to the title game 10 times. Mm-hmm. His attitude, whether he says it out loud or not, is you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But more often than not, you're going to win. So, Richard Sherman, I'm going to toss right at you. Tyron Matthew, I'm going to I'm going to drape it right where I think you're either going to get it and then I'm going to I'm going to give you props. Ooh, you got one on me or I'm going to embarrass you. 
And I think that's what happened. And that's uh, that's audacity. And you need that. You absolutely need that. It's the last game of the season. I'm going to continue to hammer that point home. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to point out. Touchdowns in this game. Who do they go to? Gronk, Antonio Brown, and mother effing playoff Leonard Fournette. None of those guys were on the team last year. I think that says something, okay? Mike Evans had one catch, 31 yards. It was on a slant. He could have taken it to the house, but the Chiefs finally decided they want to tackle, right? So they stopped him. That, w- that wouldn't really matter because the Bucs still scored the next time. Anyways, Ronald Jones, he was, like, rumored to be the lead back, like, in camp and come through the, the, the you know, the early part of the season. But, like, he's a valuable backup. That's what he was in this game. Mm-hmm. And for all the shit Scotty Miller talked about being as fast as Tyreek Hill, he didn't get a single target or log a single reception. So if there is a better version of gaslighting in football, please show me because I don't know it. It's amazing that we talked all week about how, oh, who's faster, Scotty Miller or Tyree Kill? When we have the tape, when we have the stats to prove it, but we all let that thing get in, that guy didn't catch a single pass. This, this is the point. Tampa Bay, as they're now being called, they have a ton of talent. They had a ton of talent, but they needed some pieces to get them over the edge. Their their strategy, their scenario, no risk it, no biscuit. It's like they said, we need a we need a QB. Yeah, of course you do. You need a good QB to get out there, make the best use of Mike Evans and, and some other stuff. And they say, well, we got a couple tight ends, not that great. Why don't we get a QB? We'll get Tom Brady. Oh, Gronk's available? We'll take Gronk. Oh, Antonio Brown's available? Of course we'll take him. Oh, LaShawn McCoy. Did you not just play for this Chiefs team last year in the Super Bowl? Oh, you were on the team? Mm, okay. Leonard Fournette, don't you want to prove all your haters wrong? Yes, come to the team. It's just like in any good year, having three like star players like that come to your team is going to make you go, you know, well over 500. Probably go in the postseason, you know, and in the wild card or divisional round. One thing that keeps getting lost, though, in the conversation with like, oh, look at all the great talent that's surrounding them. Keep in mind, one of them was retired. And one of them had their life falling apart. And the third one wasn't even on a football team. So it's not like he, he didn't necessarily go in. Yeah, but Tim. And, and everyone, keeps, everyone keeps comparing him to like bringing in a LeBron style team. No, let's pump, yeah. let's pump no, the brakes we, a little bit. We can, like we can pump the brakes and pump the gas in this because Rob Gronkowski is way better than Cameron Braid is. Way sure. better than OJ Howard is. So that's an, that's an immediate upgrade to the position. Antonio Brown, sure, I'll give you that because like, Eh, who's better? Let's, let's, Brown actually, let's I'm going to say Evans. No, but we, let's let's back up a second because we're we're suffering right now from recency bias based off of the Super Bowl. But if you look at Gronkowski throughout the entire year, he was a blocking quarterback. All right, he was a blocking tight end. He wasn't out there making huge plays like we saw him do in the Super Bowl. It took him a long time to get back into the groove. He wasn't targeted a lot. He had his games, and it it's tough to compare because Tom Brady and his teams have never had like quote unquote go to receivers other than like Randy Moss and Edelman. Like you knew, or like Gronk in his prime. Well, but even then they would still go games where Gronk wouldn't get targets because the game plan just happened to go somewhere else. And that happened a lot this season, but let's not forget Gronkowski wasn't exactly a stellar player the entire season. He started to shine a little bit when he needed to, in games where he, where where he had to come through, but like to say he could have kept that same level of performance up for an entire year, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. All yeah. I'm saying, all I'm, I'm saying, saying is, all I'm saying is, I'm seeing over and over 
comparisons to LeBron. And we talked about at the beginning of the season, Tom Brady going down and forming the Avengers in Tampa. And the whole time it like, it felt disingenuine to say, okay, these are all good players, but they're not the best players anymore because they're older. They've been out of the league a little bit. They have been cut from teams. Like, yeah. Again, yeah, the, I would the, agree the with three you. names we're talking about. We're talking about Antonio Brown, you. we're None talking about Leonard Fournette, and we're talking about Gronkowski. Like None of the original Tampa Bay players caught a touchdown in this game. That says something. That does. That says something. That says yeah. something. You come from another team and you talk about wanting to, you know, change change the team culture, and then you just toss it to the people who you brought in. That like you you can't not look at that and not see it. This is this is this is kind of how I think no, it but, is. But, that that Gronk was like a blocking tight end for most of the season. It's a fantastic game plan, right? You, mm-hmm. you don't really use them enough during the season. You you call it game flow, uh, and then oh the postseason. Oh, he's available because no one's been watching film on him. Oh, fantastic! We'll just we'll just sneak him out in the seam. We'll we'll just do what Gronk does. We'll use him sparingly in positions where he needs to be. But I want to say that's in my heart of hearts. That's what I believe. But that touchdown pass in the back of the end zone where like Brady put it on an obscene amount of zip and Gronk cut and just dusted that cornerback like into next week. That was an amazing throw. And that yeah. was only something that was only something that a quarterback and a tight end who trust each other and have won three previous Super Bowls together are going to think about. Tom is not trusting Cameron Braid or OJ Howard to make that play. So you do have to take a look at like how they tried. I mean, don't, they tried with they tried with Braden and he he dropped the ball. Like so, it wasn't that he didn't go there in that situation. He just he dropped the ball. But games. seventeen games and like yeah. you just you, you, Tyree Kill dropped an end zone ball. So like we can't just look at a drop right. in the end zone and be like. Yeah. Oh. But we, we can I'm talk saying. about how we can talk about how the biggest stage for the city of Tampa Bay, the people that were the heroes, were people who are not from Tampa Bay. They were visitors. Sure, sure but that's what you're going to get on a Tom Brady team it's going to happen like go back in the next the next super bowl comes around chances are those aren't going to be the guys who get targeted then because now it's just a different look it's a different feel it's not something you used to you have to take care of evans you have to take care of uh like godwin you have to to, like the standard player so now it's just a different look if they're in the super bowl again next year i wouldn't be shocked if gronkowski doesn't score a touchdown i just I, i just felt like that was kind of a Oh, he went down and he formed a super team. They're older guys who had like questionable last few years who happened to come out. Touchdown pass in this game. I would I'd be inclined to agree with you. But well, the fact that they they the fact that they didn't use him the fact that one pass for 31 yards. Then he didn't make it to he didn't make it to the house because they finally decided to tackle. Well, I I what I think my my thoughts are are two things. One they wanted a game plan against a different look than what they've seen. Like they've gotten Brown involved a little bit throughout the entire season, but they wanted to go in and give a fresh look. Also on the defensive side, they were trying to take guys like Evans out of the game. They were trying to take guys like Godwin out of the game. And Tom Brady has always been like, okay, I'm going to utilize tools that you're going to give me. And I'm going to hurt you with them, which is to, yeah. to, to jump shit back real quick and talk about Kansas City and the Kansas and the and the run real quick. You have just two players versus six players. You know you can you can spread the ball to, and the bottom three players of that six you can spread the ball to are like guys who've already been on the team and you just don't have you don't have it with. Like, come on, you're just not gonna throw them the ball. That, that that's what it is. Like they've been throwing them the ball all season. 
all yes. season. But that's, that's the perfect thing. You put what you want on film, and then you change it. It's the same way that Ed Reed tricked uh, Peyton Manning into throwing a pick because he showed something on film three or four weeks in a row so that Peyton would pick up on it and then try and exploit. It, that's zigging and zagging. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm just saying it's suspicious as hell to me that all of the touchdowns went to all Tom Brady's friends that he brought onto the team. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Ten foil hat. Put it on. Or was the defense taking the other guy? Or was the defense taking the normal go-to players out of the game and you just have too many people to defend against? If Gronk only catches 10 catches in the playoffs, the chances are one or two of them are going to be for a touchdown. They just happen to be in this scenario. That's what it seemed like. You know what I mean? This this is how insane this is, okay? And 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 this I, this is a stat that doesn't matter. What is the record for tight ends touchdowns in the postseason for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you know? No, it's two. How many did Gronk get in this one game? Two. So he yeah. comes he comes to the team and in one season he already ties the postseason record. Now I get it; they haven't been to the postseason a lot, but like, come on, come on. That's just, like that 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 just. But you're, you're only talking about two. Like, what's the record in the NFL? <laughs> oh, I, Kelsey, probably, Kelsey probably, probably owned, has it. Probably owned by Gronk in the postseason because he's been he's been there enough times. Look, th- this this all goes all those points. I I hear what you're saying. The talent was obviously there. This was just the little salt bay icing on top of the the cake that was just put him way over the top. And we we were split on this. I think I might have you know <laughs> convinced you to say on the pod that yeah Chiefs win, but you did say. You said you think that's a chance to get out of hand, and I was like, "You're crazy! You're you're so insane!" And you know, again, I mean, I'm already like laid on the swords. I can't like shove it any deeper into my chest. But yeah. I'm just saying that like this this goes into something that I think maybe we haven't talked about enough, but I think it's something we should we should discuss. And it's these this idea of windows, right? A team Super Bowl window is it opening? Is it closing? And and mm-hmm. we always like talk about it as if it's just like this finite science. The quarterback's got to be in his prime. You got to have good talent. You got to have good coaches. You can't let them be poached away. And like we just assume that the minute you win a Super Bowl, that's it. Your window's open. You got to win as many as you possibly can. While forgetting that the minute you win a Super Bowl, everyone goes back and watches those seventeen games religiously for the next two hundred and nine 208 days until the season starts and says we're going to find a way to make you not beat us you brought it up with um uh oh sorry why am i blank on his name uh lamar jackson you brought it up on that they said like teams found a way to scheme against him you said earlier in the season on the podcast that like teams are finding ways to to prevent mahomes from doing godly type things and i disagree with you because at the time they were still winning games and winning solves everything and hides a lot of problems this is the issue i have with this we can't assume that because you win a Super Bowl, you're going to make it back the next year. We've been conditioned to believe that it's possible because of what Tom Brady and the New England Patriots did, but like that's an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. That, is, that is everything being controlled to a science where you get players to take systematically less money, you keep your talent in-house for as long as possible, there's low risk, and by the way, you keep the same receivers and the same quarterback. You, you mix in a couple other people, but you keep everything the same. Stability is key in winning multiple championships. It's what it's what kills dynasties because someone wants to leave, and then the person you replace them with isn't as good. Whenever we see this new flash in the pan, we just continue to talk about it until we're really sick of it. But we convince ourselves through those narratives that, like, this is it. This is new. This is brand new. We're never going to see this again. It's bullshit. <laughs> like, when that narrative gets shot to hell like it did on Sunday night, we're already saying, oh, 
we called Mahomes the mini goat. He's never gonna he's never gonna reach Tom Brady's status. Well, to be honest, most people didn't think Tom Brady was ever gonna reach Tom Brady's status. But Tom Brady took that, put a chip on his shoulder, and said, "Hello, greatest show on turf. Knock knock, it's me, Mr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I'm here to ruin your day. See you, bye." Knock knock. Oh, hello, Seattle Seahawks. I know you might have destroyed the Denver Broncos, but I'm not Peyton Manning. Goodbye. Oh, knock knock. I've heard of this onslaught that the Chiefs have. I've already beaten you in the postseason. And by the way, I'm going to tell all my players on my team that I I came down here on sabbatical to take over that you're soft. Clearly, the guy knows something about beating super teams, and it's like he brought his own to this fight. You you keep talking about the Avengers. They're the expendables. They're just a bunch of people that had the audacity to blink in front of an immovable object. And look, you got to be unpredictable. That's what they were. Could Mahomes win another Super Bowl? Of course. The talent is there. The team's talent is there. But he's now one and one in Super Bowls. Why are we talking about him like his like career is over? It's not. No, it's 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 not, but here's what I think is going to happen. Like We've seen the blueprint for this before. The guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers, who is a superstar, who you could argue is one of the greatest athletes in football. He used to be part of the conversation about the greatest of all time when it comes to quarterbacks, but unfortunately, the hardware matters, right? You, you, got, you can't compare teams to teams because many of those years where Tom Brady won, he had a bunch of nobodies on his team with like an Edelman or a Welker or somebody there that he could go to, to, you know, help him out of trouble. But for the most part, you could put a ball boy out and he would find ways to have success. Christ. He just won a Super Bowl with three guys who weren't even in the league last year at the start of the season. So like it's, it's a different animal. So I think the conversation is there aren't many guys out there who have the same longevity as Tom Brady does. It's just not there. No, of course not. You, you, st- like, you start. Yeah. I, most so you start, most you, quarterbacks don't want to eat avocado ice cream, sleep in, you know, copper pajamas, and stretch for nine hours a day. Most of them I, don't. I wake, up, I wake up at five o'clock the next morning after a game for studies. But no, it's it's yeah, it's they more, don't. It's, it's a different, right? But it's a different kind of game now where we sort of fetishize these mobile quarterbacks as being sort of the only way to win games. And here you yeah. have this dinosaur who isn't mobile at all, who keeps finding ways to go out and beat really good teams. Patrick Mahomes had 10 games this season that were won or lost by less than a touchdown. So despite his fantastic record, it's not exactly like he's blowing teams out of the water. Some of these close games, like he lost to the Panthers this season. He had a really close game against the Falcons this season. So like, it's not exactly like he's going out there. Saints twice. Yeah, so it's not like he's just and now the Bucks, which he also smoked. I think what you're seeing is teams finding ways to adapt. And when you start talking about windows, especially when it comes to teams like the Chiefs, how long do you have Tyreek Hill and how long do you have Travis Kelsey there to bail him out? Is the next all- like the next four or five years. So that, that that's my okay. point. Like he's one and one in Super Bowls. The, the, the ten more Super thing. Bowls to go. <laughs> like right, has, okay. To, like, to, to your point, right? Yeah. Let's say that he goes six and one career Super Bowls. Very unlikely, right? Because mm-hmm. Tom Brady went seven and three. Okay. <laughs> it's super tough, super tough to make a, a Super Bowl, and it's super tough to keep the team together. And it's super tough to win back to back, which no one's done now since the 2003 2004 mm-hmm. Patriots. Yep. Congrats to them, right? 
But like, let's say Mahomes goes six and one. The one loss on his record is to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to play another couple of years. If if they don't meet each other in the Super Bowl next year and they don't get a chance to run it back or yeah. you know go for the trilogy, like that's always going to be on his on his record. Don't look at his record. Well, so in, so is an AFC Championship loss to uh, Tom yeah, Brady. I would, yeah, I would agree. But like, so he's down zero and two to Tom Brady. Yeah, but those but. Tom Brady's 0-2 to Eli Manning. Some some yep. some quarterbacks have that, you know, that that Achilles heel, right? If if Mahomes, and I'm just we're woof, way out in the future. If Mahomes were to go yep. six and one, that's a fantastic career because most qu- quarterbacks who get in the Hall of Fame right now have two Super Bowl wins. Okay. Like, that's just yeah. that's just what it is because of how tough it is. So if he wins yeah. two, he wins three, he wins four. He's fantastic. You want to yeah, go no. beat the GOAT? You had to beat the GOAT. That's what you had to do. You needed to take it and like. Mahomes did everything he possibly could on his own to win that game, and a lot of things didn't go his way. But I mean, come yeah. on! No, I, no, no! I don't think anyone in their right mind is trying to say that this kid's not going to have a successful career. I think the conversation leading into it was, are we looking at the next goat? And I, I actually hate the term goat because you just throw it around all the time. Yes, is Tom Brady yeah, the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football? Is he one of the best? Yes, yes, players to ever. Yes, a hundred percent. What he does different than what other quarterbacks don't do is he's able to diagnose what a defense is and make you pay for it. Like in this game, we we you, we keep talking about how he kept going to Brown and how he kept going to Gronk and and Fournette and all, and all those guys. The reality of it is he only had two hundred yards. So sure, did he find those yeah. guys? Yeah, he didn't find anyone all that much. If that's that's the reality of the situation. He didn't he didn't go to any one player a lot more. We're talking about like six catches to four catches, seven catches to three catches. Like it's not a drastic difference. He didn't have like yeah. 28 targets to like seven. So it's not like he wasn't finding these guys. The problem is he was just really, really efficient in picking where he was going to throw these balls. Mahomes finished with like a career low rating. He finished with a, a 52.3, yeah. which I've never even brutal. seen. It was brutal. And his, on the other career, hand. his career pass rating in the Super Bowls is, is like below 70. It's like 63 yeah. or 65. But now Brady went, Brady only went 21 and 29 with 201 yards, but he had 125.8 rating. He's just so efficient at managing what he does. I think what's going to hurt Mahomes and why a lot of these guys aren't going to have the same longevity. And we're seeing it in front of us. You see it with guys like Cam Newton. You see it with guys like Russell Wilson had a, a, a very strong season this year. Is he going to play till he's 42? Probably not because they're mobile quarterbacks who get hurt a lot. He's in his, what, starting in 2018, we're in his third season. He had to finish the season with turf toe. Like that's something that happens as you, force yourself to move around the pocket and that's going to those little nicks and bumps and scratches are going to add up over time. And what you're going to see is shortened careers because he's going to have a great career while he's in the league. A hundred percent. Is he going to win more than one Super Bowl? A hundred percent. Is he going to win? Is he going to go to 10? I don't think so because I don't think he's going to be healthy enough for that long to go to 10 unless he gets them out of the way right away. Cause look at Michael Vick. Look at like all the guys who came before him that were superstars when they started and then they got figured out. And I think this game sort of set the foundation as to how you beat 
the Chiefs. And if you're oh, in the division yeah. against the yeah. Chiefs, yeah, if you're in the conference or the division against the Chiefs, now you go, oh, wait a second. All I need to do is get two edge rushers who can really, because they only blitz. That'll work a little bit. That'll work a little bit before it, but like it's a copycat. They'll go back to watch the film on this. They'll burn it and they'll say, okay, they're coming after us. It's the same thing that happened with the Rams, and the Patriots uh, in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. McVay knew it was the Bears defense, the same cover front, and they just didn't adapt. What happened next season? They didn't adapt and teams started beating the Rams. And now look at them. Well, you had what the, the problem this game was they had three injuries and one of the backups who played, uh, what did he play? Like guard got shifted out to, to tackle. Got worked in Super Bowl 50 when, when uh, Vaughn Miller was the MVP of that game. And yeah. you know, that, that's the guy that's on your team. And then what happened this game? He got worked too. Like, I mean, I got yeah. a hand you gotta stand in there and, and take the punches. Like, yeah. So I, but what, what I think you see is like how to game plan. Like we already had 10 other games that could have gone against the chiefs and they would have had a very different look this season. You're starting to get gameplay and game plan footage against teams. Like we said it with Kyler Murray, who came out and looked like he was going to blow the league out of the water. And then what happened? You find ways to take his legs out of the game. It's a different animal. You find ways to take, Mahomes' major weapon in Tyreek Hill and find ways to keep Kelsey from having big outs. Collapse that pocket so he can't burn you underneath. Basically what they did is they said, okay, we'll give you some of these underneath throws, but we're going to stop you from making big plays out of them. The reason they could and the reason they couldn't run is because they had a makeshift offensive line who couldn't block for shit and keep anyone open. He was pressured on 33% of his dropbacks, and they only blitzed like five times in that game. So it was all edge rushing. Yeah, it was all alignments. Yeah. It was insane. It was, and it was, it was nothing that they did that was overly special other than execute up front and allow the guys on the edge to, to beat their guys. Like that's, it's not hard to duplicate, right? I get it. Like if you could do it every game, you, you would. But now you know what you have to pay attention on. Play the cover three, keep two guys back, let them have the short passes, but make sure you're making good tackles and just pressure. Don't blitz because then you're leaving guys open. Just put pressure, come around the outside and don't give them up anything deep. Like that, that's easily, easily something that can be duplicated on decent teams. Is every team going to do it? No, some teams are going to get tried and they're going to get burned because they don't have the personnel to do it. But some of these teams that they're going to go up against, like the Rams, the Rams have played them really close all season. Now you have a game plan to say, oh, okay, instead of just focusing on taking Kelsey and Hill out of the game, I see. Let's focus on taking one of them out of the game and then put constant pressure underneath them. It's just, I think it's, it's unfair for Mahomes going up against a guy like Brady and especially now that he ate the loss in the way that he did, like what you oh, found we ourselves down the river, didn't we? What, what you had was we really thought this year's version of GI Joe was going to be so much better than the original. While you, getting it, the original gave us wonder, awe, days to just sort of zone out and just come up with all these creative things. We, we yeah. really thought that we were going to get a different sheet of music this time. And it just didn't happen. You, you had a, a unstoppable force that hit an immovable object, right? And Shout out Dark Knight. 
and the Chiefs are literally that unstoppable force. They're just steamrolling teams, or they're steamrolling each season, finding their way deep into the playoffs every single season. But when you go up against a guy like Tom Brady, that is always a challenge. And it's just surprising to me. Everyone thought this was going to be a close game, but this was like the pinnacle Brady moment where not only did you win, you held a quarterback to his first single digit game since college, prevented them from even scoring a touchdown in the game. And it's his first double digit loss of his career. Like those records don't count, but you kind of set little mini one-on-one records against arguably one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback currently in the league. I think he really does run the risk of turning into someone like Aaron Rodgers, who is ungodly talent and is going to finish with less rings than Eli Manning. Like let that one sink in a little okay. bit. Like what happens next year. But I mean, yeah. this is, Thing. He, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has that. Many. I think he's just tired of it. coming out, you know, back to back years. It, it, it's 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 execution. It's like it's it's fine trimming the things that you need to do. This is this is my thing about this, right? So when we're talking about like these windows, you know that the the teams always come out and they they say the first fifteen plays of the game are scripted, right? That we're just yep. trying to feel the defense out. We're trying to see what they're trying to do, essentially. The first 15 plays of Patrick Mahomes' career are gone because of how fast they ran them, right? And now teams are like, oh, we've seen this before. We know what to do with it. We're not, we're not worried about it. QBs have their physical prime. If they're a mobile quarterback, that prime is going to be a little bit lower than what they're expecting due to the amount of hits that they're going to take. But it's not just the QB's prime that you have to you have to you have to sink. It's the other 52 players, it's the coordinators, the coaches, the GMs trying to make sure you have the talent yeah. in house. Timing is key, and that's yeah. why. I mean, this whole window talk, it's like, what's this arbitrary window? You know, yeah. three or four years if you have all the talent at the – like, who who decides that? You know what I mean? We just saw a wild card team who didn't win their division win the goddamn Super Bowl. So don't tell yeah. me that a window is open or closed, and then don't tell me you have to win seven or you're not the GOAT. You can win six and be the GOAT. You can win four and be the GOAT of talent. You know what I mean? Like, it, it – it's just the way it is. Like, I think we need to get away from the narrative that if you don't win seven and 10 or seven and 20, like that you're a failure. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, it's not genuine. It's good because it, it allows those NFL fans who have short attention spans, who have been following a team for like me for like, you know, less than a decade or just under a decade that like, Oh, I've seen this before, I think, but I don't know what it is, but there are fans who've been watching the NFL for like 20, 30, 40 years. They're like, Oh, I know what this coverage is because the game no. doesn't reinvent itself. All the notes have already been written. It's just the way you play them, uh, you know, to make that sheet music. And yeah. I really expected something different. So, I mean, you, you know, that Homer Simpson meme where he's like on the couch and he has his arms crossed and his like head is like buried into his chest. That was me. Most yeah. of your, cause I, <laughs> I just knew, I just knew I talked so much shit and I just knew by like third quarter, I'm like, this game's over. This game's over. Uh, I never thought I would say that in the Super Bowl where I was like, the halftime show is over and we're in the third quarter. And I'm like, I mean, what am I doing after this? But to be honest, by that point, I was so far into Buzzville that it didn't really matter. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I sent I sent Sam the text on this, but uh, I I don't know. I'm in more like group chats than I ever cared to be a part of. But uh, I was in one. All the guys kind of talking shit. 
all of them, you know, sort of shitting on Tom Brady, and everyone's taking this standard approach. The refs are bailing him out. Oh, I'm gonna get the hell out of here. And then I said, I literally said, they get a turnover right here. That's gonna be the game. And I'm not kidding. Sixty seconds later, it, in fact, the jokes were funny afterwards. But sixty seconds later, they got their first pick. Everyone was in there. It's like, hey Tim, I just need you to pick six random numbers between zero and 100 for me. That'd be great. Uh, but like, you can read it. Like you knew that he was getting desperate enough. He was going to try and push the ball. And he was going to leave himself in positions to, to cough the ball up. Um, there are plenty of chances for that game to look different. Uh, you could say the penalties could have changed it. Um, I don't, I think the defense would have just continued to come out and do their job. Did he have two passes? And it's, it's tough to look at a football game and say any one thing could have changed anything because it's kind of like the butterfly effect, right? Like you can't look and say, oh, he'll drop that one ball if he had caught that one. And then later on in the game when Mahomes made that other diving catch, if he caught that ball, it would have been a closer game. Well, if Hill caught that touchdown, it would have been a whole different ball game playing itself out anyway. So I'm not going to be one that gets caught up in, sure, Either one of those catches would have changed the feel or the at least the look of the game, but I don't think there was any chance. I think all it would have done is give Tom Brady the ball back to, and another opportunity to go down and, and, and score. I think that one was just sort of, I think the magic was there. If you believe in like football karma, the football gods, any of that stuff, I think the story was just too good. But for me, there's never any real doubt in that I thought they had a chance to win this game. Uh, I'd made five separate bets and I won all five of those bets all with Tampa Bay taking it. So I didn't waver. I, I mean, congrats, but ugh, for me. <laughs> I, I didn't waver and it wasn't necessarily because I'm a Tom Brady homer. Like, am I a Tom Brady fan? Yeah. Did I think at the beginning of the season they were going to be in this position? No, I, in, I'm on record on this podcast saying, you know what? Give it time. They need time to figure it out. They didn't have an off season. They had literally zero opportunity for them to work together. They're doing it live. You could see that in the first five games where they were one of the most penalized teams in the entire league. And then from game like six through week 17, they were the least or one of the least penalized teams in the entire league. They only had like 42 or 45 penalties. So like said it the whole time, they're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. But I really thought it was going to be Going into next season, they're really going to be someone to worry about. Like that's the scary part. You bring a new quarterback in. You expect that there's going to be some time to come up. But like Bruce Arians, which this is a point that's been off repeated, obviously the media, anyways. But like Bruce Arians does not have a white person on on his coordinator staff. They're all women and African Americans. He has an Iranian woman who's a strength coach. He has a, a a a white defensive line coach who's a woman who is out there hugging JPP and doing hand fighting drills with him. Like Bruce Arians took no risk it, no biscuit to the limit. And Bruce said, I'm going to get you the players that you need, but the players need to stay in line, stay in your lane. And they need to do what I tell them to do. And when these, these, these comments are all coming out now about how Gronk had Wednesdays off because he didn't get days off in new England. And that's not the way Arians wants to be. And, you know, Brady and him like, you know, got, you know, in trouble with the league because they wanted to go play golf together and like, you know, talk strategy. We, all the all the crumbs were there. We should have seen this shit coming, but we didn't. We just said, nah, there's no way, right? And Brady said, 
no, I'm coming for your throat. It's not like when the story came out the Super Bowl week about from the, the the Tampa Bay GM, Jason Lick or Light, right? I think that's how you pronounce his name, about how he was cool with not being number 12. He wanted to be number seven because seventh ring. And the GM was like, oh, okay, cool, Tom. Yeah, like even the GM was like, mm, do you know who we have here? Of course he knows who we have here. But Tom yeah. did something. Tom, Tom, Tom did something to the extreme. Tom said, they're not going to see us coming. We're going to punch them in the mouth. Then we're going to give them a body blow. And then we're going to kick their legs out from underneath them. It was basically Dan Campbell's acceptance speech as the Detroit Lions coach personified in a football game. And the Chiefs are on the other side being like, we have Mahomes. We're good. Like, no. This yeah. is not what happens, right? Like that scene in Game of Thrones where like the, spoiler alert, where the White Walkers finally reach Winterfell. And there's just horror, just wave after wave after wave. And like they get through the first couple of waves, and then by like halfway through the episode, they're like, is it gonna stop? And they're like, no, it's an onslaught. They're 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 trying to they're trying to wipe you out. That's what that's what the buck said. We have a ton of people who we believe to be expendable. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at you. We're gonna throw the 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 cabinets, we're gonna rip them off the wall and throw them at you, and we're gonna throw the chairs at you. And if you if we manage to find a fork or a knife on the ground, we're gonna throw that at you too. So like Come correct or get off the field. And yep. for the Chiefs to sort of say, we're going to toss it 49 times on you, and we think that's how we're going to run you off the field because of what happened in week 12, just it's it's kind of low-key arrogance. I can't I can't pin it on that, but like that's my initial thought, and it's very difficult to go against that. So like I, I, I still think for me, like the, the reason they didn't run the ball is because I mean, they couldn't even keep their quarterback at the line to make any sort of movement. He had like two or three scrambles that went for some positive yardage. I think they just didn't have the option because there was no way that offensive line was making any sort of room or holes for that guy to get through. So they would have to be like runs around the outside, but then you had the pass rushers coming in who are literally closing the pocket almost every single possession. I, I mean, a third of the time, a third of the time, Mahomes was running for his life. Oh, who are you the telling? Entire game. Who are you telling the Seattle Seahawks do that shit seventy percent of the time, every game. And every guess, week. Uh, yeah, and guess who wasn't in the Super Bowl? The Seattle Seahawks. Well, no, so, but Russ, like, he was watching that. Do you see the meme I sent you? Russ, yeah. Russ was actually in the in the press box with Goodell watching the game. He like there was a there was a photo snapped on me. He didn't look happy, but like there's a meme I saw and it was like, oh yeah, not fun now when you have no O line and no looking little bitch <laughs> like. <laughs> Russ would never say that because he, he's too polished. But. The, the the best one I've got, the best one I got for the entire day was uh, from a uh, friend of mine who's uh, a Cowboys fan. It was like, oh, it's nice to see Romo finally make it to the Super Bowl. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, but well, I mean, like low key, let's say that Brady doesn't, you know, bring him back to Super Bowl. He does next year, but then he's like, ah, oh, why don't I just go to Arlington, Texas? <laughs> Could you so imagine that contract drama with Dak? He could just go, like he could just go win a Super Bowl with Dallas. That <sighs> mind blown. All right, Tim. So we've talked a lot about my thoughts. You've interjected. I'm sure you have a couple things you want to point out. No, I mean, I just want to say that uh, it makes the the storyline is is one of those that I hope people really get to appreciate. Even if you hate New England, you hate Tom Brady. You got to understand what we're watching. When he was in New England, it was, oh, they're all cheaters. That's the only way they're winning. They're all cheaters. He's getting all the flags. Man, he just went to a new team who had a losing record. And when he came out, 
he came out stumbling a little bit. Everyone was willing to write him off. Everybody was saying like, oh my God, Tom Brady's not the same Tom Brady. And then suddenly he turned it on and he was leading the league in passes from like 25 yards and beyond. And then they continued chugging along, just doing their thing. Everyone kind of got pulled into watching it. But look at who he went through to get to the Super Bowl. Murderers row of quarterbacks. He played Drew Brees, who we could argue is not the same, but not like they had an easy game there. Aaron Rodgers, who everyone has literally said is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Nope. Check that one off the list. And then the youngest talent. So he literally started with like... You're forgetting the one he started with first. The one uh, Old Dominion University quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Who could have saved us all from this storyline by just throwing another goddamn touchdown, but he didn't. Yeah. But props, props to Taylor. He came out and played his thing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but you started with like the oldest of like the best that is in the league to the guy who is still top notch and arguably his biggest rival when it comes to history. And then the best quarterback in the entire league. And guess what? He beat all of them and he beat two of them in pretty surprising fashion. And he kicked the ass of the newest guy. So you had the old guy on the block who was like, if you, if anybody saw the interview with Mahomes and Brady together before the Super Bowl and kind of listen to them talk to each other and answer questions together to see that sort of dynamic between the two, knowing that Mahomes is 25 years old and Tom Brady has been in the league for like 21 years. Like it's bizarre to see those two match up. And you thought, Oh, it's that we're about to witness the changing of the guard. Like we're seeing it in front of our eyes. Everyone that when, when the easy thing would have been in a chief's locker room, I do not want Tom Brady to get seven. We need to do whatever we can to get, to prevent him from getting seven, not on our watch, right? Cast or Lombardi, right? Either you break a bone or we raise that Lombardi trophy because you let that man live rent-free in your head. You really did because you assumed you had, you had the talent advantage, which maybe yep. on paper you might have, but you didn't have the aggregate talent advantage when you look at the health of every player plus Tom freaking Brady. Recency bias too. They have They had the game earlier in the season to look at, but – I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I called your bullshit the first time they played, and I said, dude, I don't know. They didn't I'm take aware. the foot off the pedal. They I'm just aware. Fi- they figured it out in the second half. And you said, no, 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 no. They took the-. I said, no. Tyreek Hill blew them up in the first half. They made a couple adjustments. They came out and they executed, and they were really close to coming back and taking that game. It was within a touchdown. So now, in hindsight, we can look back at that and say, like, oh, shit, no. They didn't take their foot off the pedal. It was just foreshadowing as to what you can expect between game management and changes to the game plan. And what you saw this weekend was sort of like that amplified. You had now not only an entire season to game plan, but then two weeks off to really look down and say, okay, what do we have to do? And granted, you hear guys say it all the time. Winning the Super Bowl is a culmination of skill and a lot of luck. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that luck did fall Tampa Bay's way. You unfortunately, and this isn't lucky per se, but you had three of their starting linemen go out with COVID or injuries, so they were out. Uh, you had to move guys around. 
Mahomes was a little banged up. So there was a little bit of luck involved in what your matchups were. You just found ways to capitalize on them. I still don't necessarily know if those three guys being in the lineup would have made that big of a difference that like the game might've been a little closer. Yeah, I, I think, I think it would have been. I also think too, that like, I'm yeah, saying the, a little closer, but I don't think the outcome would have been different. And maybe not, but it would have been it would have been a three point game. You know, just it would have been, uh, exactly, been exactly what we would have seen in in week twelve, just just reverse. You know, like again, the first Mike Tyson said it best: like everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. Yeah, and it's, I, I think it would have been. And the Chiefs obviously thought they could out they could they could out Mahomes their them, themselves out of the hole that Tom Brady and their defense dug them, and that's like. I still think it would have been a, a, a 10 to 14 game uh, point difference in this game. I think it would have just been slightly different changes. Maybe you would have had a couple runs. You may have held the Pats to slightly less points because you would have tried to run the ball more and you would have taken more Pat. time off. But Pats. What are we talking about Pat. the Pats? They went. Right, they, sorry, they sorry. The, yeah. the, the Bucks. Sorry, we're gushing about 20 it, years of Tom Brady. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, you know, in this offseason. We're like, oh, the McCourty twins are going to Tampa Bay. Like, oh no shit. Huh. At this Man. point, like, at, at this point, I'm surprised Bob Marley hasn't like you know turned in his uh, his, his <laughs> Patriots hat and declared for for Buccaneers Nation. It just it's you know of of all the games that we saw this year, of all the games, yeah. I feel like we paid so much attention, so much unwanted attention to every Chiefs game, and we did not pay attention enough to the Buccaneers. We really didn't. Um, you know, because they they lost a couple games to the Saints. We said, oh, they're not really for real. Oh, they lost to the Bears. Oh, they lost to this team. You know what I mean? But, like, you forget that, uh, again, and this is my own little conspiracy, but the Panthers went 15-1 in 2015. The, the only game they lost was against the Atlanta Falcons. Cam Newton had a son that week. Hmm. Is it is it unfair to think he, he didn't put 100% into the game plan? No, it's not. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, the year that they beat Atlanta 28-3, well, they came back from 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl to, to win an OT. His mom dealing breast cancer, right? You know what I mean? Like he, he brought the emotional level to this game. And then we find out that um, both of his parents had COVID this year. And that was and, the, and, and he knew about it in the first month. Where did he slump, Tim? The first month of the like of the season. You know what I mean? And then yeah. like we, we we package it as, as saying like, oh, he hasn't really worked with the receivers yet. It's a new team. But like, let's be honest, dude. If your if your parents or my parents are dealing with COVID and we're playing a game for money every week, one of the two things is going to kind of no matter how much of a goat you are, it's going to yep. seep into your professional life. It, it's because we're human, and as much as we want to say that Brady is a machine, like he is human, and he finds the way to dig that emotional grave for you like no one else does. That is the only thing I'm super disappointed about with the Super Bowl. Not that it drew 96 million viewers and was not one of the highest you know, rated Super Bowls. Like, I don't really care about that. I, I'm going to watch it anyways. Like, good streaming yep. numbers. Commercials, they sucked. I don't watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. I don't really like the halftime show. I thought there were some good memes that came out of it. But again, I don't watch the Super Bowl <laughs> for that. Like, I watched the yep. Super Bowl because I wanted to see the story that you fed us. And I watched a team not pay attention to four total weeks of postseason football where they had everything that they needed to do to be able to beat the other team. Yep. It's just, it's it's just insane to me that the Chiefs were just like, nah, we're good. And and maybe, maybe conspiracy theory wise, like the stuff with Andy Reid's son and like, you know, and and the accident Could've. that he was involved in. Yep. Like 
you know, you say a couple of days before the game, that coach doesn't travel with you. You know what I mean? Like all those things are in, and you know, prayers to, to those, uh, those kids, because like, that's just, that's just a horrible situation. Like, yeah, we can't say it didn't affect it and you can't say it did because you don't really know. But like at the same time, like look at every other Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. these kind of things didn't happen. Like the Seattle Seahawks, for example, had a fight in their locker room the night before they, they pummeled Denver, but that was, that was brewing all season. That didn't happen right before the big game. So like we, we saw this thing all year with, this is good. This is good. The face of the league. It's going to be Josh Allen. It's going to be Kyler Murray. It's going to be Lamar. It's going to be Justin Herbert. It's going to be all these people. When guys winning the big games, Ben, eleven weeks, he was winning big games, right? Then he fell. Dak, losing a lot of those games, but like just putting his body in the line. Brady, winning some games. You're like, okay, you're supposed to win those games. Losing some of those games, you would think you would win, but he got the last laugh. What does it matter if you win the division trophy? If you don't make the Super Bowl, what or you don't you don't raise the Hallis or the Hunt Trophy, like no one cares. You're in it to win yep. Lombardi, and a guy that has the standard operating procedure for winning Lombardis just went into another team and just validated it could work. Yep. Just I also don't ever want to hear your bullshit system quarterback nonsense again not, from anybody. I'm not, no, I'm not, not you. I, I, I'm saying you. This is one of those statements where if you find that offensive, yeah, you're the person I'm talking to. I don't want to hear any more of that bullshit about system quarterbacks and like Tom Brady. Can you be successful? He wouldn't. I saw it all the time. Tom Brady would be nothing without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick could play with anybody. Yes, Bill Belichick is going to be fine. Those guys are going to be competing again. They had a shitty quarterback this season. Sorry if you're a Cam Newton fan. He's a shitty quarterback. I said at the start of the season, I almost got pulled into it on like week four or five. Going into week six, I almost got there. I even said, uh, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm getting there. Go back and listen if you think I'm, I'm just, you know, hating on the guy to hate. I literally said, I'm almost there. He's getting there. I don't know, though. Something doesn't look right. And then he shit the bed. Bill Belichick's going to be fine. They're going to go on and win games. They almost won with nothing now. Nine of their starters were out from the beginning of the season because they opted out for COVID. And then they just shoehorned a quarterback in there who doesn't fit their system what did you expect literally nothing this is more about tom brady going to a new team tom brady is the system like his method his his way of working his mindset the way he brings his team up with him the way he works with the guys that he works with the way he pushes people whether you like it or not the man is just an athlete who dedicates his entire life to winning games. And what you saw was him go somewhere else, struggle a little bit, not having a, a preseason, taking a little bit of time to get in the timing and the strides with his team. And then you saw the man do what the man lives for, which is mm-hmm. winning. You already saw at the end of the Super Bowl. He's like, and they even like floated the question. He's like, I right, we don't know why we even talk about that. I'm going to be back next year. Gronkowski, yeah, yeah I'm going to be back actually. This team right. is going to be scary going into next season. And I'm not going to quite go on record and say that they're going to go back to back. They're going to make waves in the postseason, and they're probably going to knock a couple big teams off. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if Kansas it, City is not back in the Super Bowl or, in, or making it deep in the playoffs next year. You know, the easiest thing to do when you have teams that have those veteran proven quarterbacks is exactly what happened to like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You basically get them to a point where they look super, super vulnerable. And we know for the 
cares about their talent. They went 11 and five this year. So you know what? You need to push them to nine and seven next year. So they don't even make the postseason. <laughs> That's what you need to do. You need, you need, you need to not be the footnote in someone else's Wikipedia page. You need to go ahead and make your own. So the last thing, the last thing I'm going to say on the whole Brady era thing. Oh, it's all look it's back, here. look back at how many quarterbacks came into the league at the same time or after and who are no longer in the league. They're calling his games now. They're literally talking about how great he is while he's still, like Tony Romo is one of them. You have Mark Sanchez, you have Tim Tebow, Dan Orlovsky, you have all these guys who came in the league, no longer in the league. You have Michael Vick working his way back into the conversation. You have those guys, the Hasselback brothers. They're like, you have lots of people, Peyton Manning, just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, which means he's been out of the league for five years. Yep. Congrats to Peyton Manning. Totally deserves it. Eli Manning, not in the league anymore. Drew Brees, this was probably his last season. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is flirting with ending it sooner rather than later because I think he's just tired of putting his body on the line and not having much to show for it. Because now it's like winning a Super Bowl is obviously the end goal for everybody. But when you've constantly been compared to a guy like Tom Brady, who has constantly find, found ways to either knock you out of the playoffs or beat you when it really mattered, just went to another division, your conference, and beat you and knocked you out of the Super Bowl. If you win a Super Bowl now, it's like, cool, I have two now. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need five more. more to be part yeah. of the conversation. Like, that's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at some point, like, do you want to win more Super Bowls? Cool, because you're building your own legacy. But Tom Brady has made that bar so unfortunately and unrealistically high that, like, if you're a guy like that who, you know, your driving force was competing back and forth with a guy like Tom Brady, and he's not leaving anytime soon, like, how many times are you gonna be like, all right, you know, what the hell with this? I'm not feeling supported by my team. I'm not getting the tools that I need. He's been grumbling the last few years, mid-season, vocally about quarterback, I mean, about coaching changes, about quarterback coaching changes, about the personnel that he's given. I can't imagine he's got that much left before he's like, all right, the hell with this. I'm out of here. He's gotten hurt a couple times. So, like, there are a bunch of players who are likely about, like, Drew Brees is done. He's done. He was almost done this year. He's out. Like, the man's longevity is just so unparalleled that you now have people who are his rivals talking about how great he is while he's still playing football. So just go back, look at all the quarterbacks. I'm not going to do it for you guys, but go back, go to pro football reference, look at all the quarterbacks who have started their career in the last 21 years, see how many of them are still in the league, how many of them have gone on to like broadcasting careers for college and NFL, how many of them are talking about Tom Brady as he plays football. It is insane. And now Tom Brady says he wants to play till he's 45. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing, right? Like every quarterback who comes in the league is like, oh, I want to be Tom Brady because they use the mantra, you shoot for the stars, you'll end amongst the clouds. So they're like, if I shoot to be Tom Brady, I can end up somewhere, you know, three, four, five rings. And you're just like, okay. But Tom Brady looks in the mirror every day and he goes, who's that asshole staring back at me? Why does he have more yeah. rings than I? It's like, Tom, yeah. it's not like the flu game. Like, you know, or the Michael Jordan, I took that personally meme. Like, you don't need to be mad at yourself. But Tom's like, I don't know this Tom and I hate that Tom and I want to beat that Tom. And you're like, uh, I mean, okay, I guess um, here, here are 52 other players and, and go out and play ball. And then, you know, 
50% of the time he wins the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like he has a higher career percentage win the Super Bowl and Steph Curry does with shooting a three, right? That was a stat that I saw out there. Like, it's just, that's just yeah. insane. If you're his, not really- his, his Super Bowl winning record is better than LeBron James' free throw percentage. He has yeah. a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than he does winning the coin toss. Like, <laughs> the, just, it's just completely insane. Yeah. The whole thing is just bizarre. I'm going to do this. Just a fun little last minute exercise. He plays till 45. What? That's three more years. Yeah. How many Super Bowl? How many more Super Bowls? Oh yeah, two. If you count it, um, I'd say one. To be honest, I, I'm not going to count against him. You know what I mean? He's already made it to Sports Valhalla, and now he's gone. I, I think the only thing he would want to do is get at least one more because Belichick has eight total. He has two with the Giants, and then six with the Patriots. So Brady has more rings than any franchise does. Right? He has seven. Yep. Six, but I think he wants to at least tie Belichick just to really say it's about both. It's not about you. Yeah, I I mean, although although I think he's already beat him because he's he has like all of those Belichick rings weren't as head coaches. You weren't driving the ship. Doesn't matter. You still made it to the big game. You know what I mean? Like again, as we started the episode, I said LeSean McCoy has two rings. And he's a back-to-back Super Bowl champion. He hasn't played a snap in either one of the Super Bowls, which is bananas to me. Yeah. But hey, go get those rings. You're a two-time Super Bowl champion. You put that in your Twitter bio. That's right. Your, t- your Tinder profile? <laughs> no, your Twitter bio. Not your Tinder profile. He, I, I think he's a happily, he's a happily married man. And, right. and I get I mean, Shady's he's got that talent. But all right. Tim, now we have to actually talk about real sports again, which is good. I I've been I've been putting some stuff together. I've been I've been watching a little a little bit of the waste management open. Which I mean, first of all, why is why is it the waste management open? I feel like this is like you know as far as professional golf goes, we're like getting it to the. Oh, know, dude! The, all right, no, no, no! I gotta stop you there. I gotta yeah. stop you before you make sil- before you make yourself look silly in front of all our real golf fans. That is one of the best tournaments of the saying, year. It's sponsored by. I'm not talking shit about the course. I'm just saying like no, 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 not the course. The actual, so the name and all of it is part of like the thing that is the waste management classic. So it's one of the only tournaments where you're allowed to like yell and scream like a fan. The players are always doing like crazy shit throughout the entire tournament. Whoever wins usually runs and jumps in the water. Like it's the name fits because it's, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say it's a, it's a trashy tournament, but it's like, if you took the U.S. Open and you put it at the pinnacle here, it kind of matches the fun level you're allowed to have there. The Waste Management Open, or the Waste Management Classic, is the name goes with the amount of fun you're allowed to have there. Like, it's a booze fest. People are booing and yelling. You get to one hole, and it's like stadium seating, and all people are doing is, is like talking shit, and the, you know, the golfers come in and like hype everybody up. It's phenomenal. I wish you would have actually been able to see it during like a normal tournament setting. I didn't actually, I didn't watch it this weekend because I didn't even know it was on this weekend. I didn't either because I tried to put it on, I, I guess I found out that my cable package does not include the golf channel. Yeah. WTF. Yeah. So next year, if life goes back to normal, you don't watch a single tournament other than that one. All right. If you don't, if you watch one tournament, all next season, watch that one. It's a great time. I actually prefer to watch that one over any others, and I hope they never change the name. I used to jokingly call it the White Trash Tournament because 
That's what it was. It was just literally like it was just college kids and golf fans getting shit faced, screaming at professional golfers and golfers enjoying it and screaming back. It ditches a lot of the formalities. So it's a great yeah. tournament. It's a great tournament. That's why it's, it's got the name. How integrated the sport of golf is. But anyways, that has been episode <laughs> 44 of Stats No Matter Podcast. We thank you all very much for joining us. And it seems like we have a lot of golf to talk about next week. Uh, anyways, yep. we, we will get into that. We have no choice now, right? We can't be like, oh, I wonder what the Chiefs are doing this week. Or, oh, I wonder who took their foot off the gas. Although I can't wait to use that line like you know, to talk about someone's performance when they shit the bed on like 13. <sighs> oh, Tim, he took his foot off the gas. He, he didn't really drive as far off the tee as he should have. All I, all I see is the W's bouncing around in front of my face. <laughs> I'm going to take this W... To the ski slopes tomorrow because I'm going skiing for the first time ever. Pray for me. Uh, with that, use poles. Someone, someone's going to tell you not to use poles, but use poles. My five, my five year old, on his fifth lesson, was doing like slide stops. Go out. I think I posted on my Instagram. Go out and find it at Timmy underscore Cronin. You can see my five year old. Uh, that's the fifth time he's ever been on skis. Sorry. We'll count six because the very first time we put him on in our backyard, he cried because they were uncomfortable. He fell over, and we were like, "Oh shit!" We just spent he's a little bit of money, and he's gonna hate it. Yeah. Uh, that kid took to skiing like a fish to water. I'm already nervous to try and ski around him, so he's not coming tomorrow. I'm just gonna go. With my wife. Like the uh, he's like the the mini goat of skiing, like in the making. Is that what you're saying? Uh, he will if he chooses to. He will have a very uh, fruitful skiing. Like, I'm not kidding. The, the the kid is tiny, and there's a video of him, like the instructor, trying to help him in, like, turning everything, and he looks at him, does his little turn, and looks at him, and then just goes straight French fry down the hill, and then, like, gets good enough that at the end of the lesson, this is the very last lesson they were at, um, he met a, another little kid from his lesson, so my wife hung around and let him go up and down the hill. At one point, you see him going down the hill. He's going full Frank the Tank, like this, <laughs> as he's going. And when he gets down to the hill, my wife's go, my wife goes, "What were you doing up there?" He's like, "Ah, I got a little bored from the small hill, so I went straight down and I closed my eyes for the last little bit of it." Like he's already finding ways to make himself go faster. He rode his bike for the first time this weekend. Without Sh- training wheels, all that Instagram content you've been putting about your son yeah. just killing it this week. But this is what terrifies me as his dad. He's on his bike, we're pedaling down the hill. I mean, we're pedaling down our street, and he gets going. It's like cold out. It it was right before it, it snowed, but it was like windy. Did great. He starts pedaling, and I see him pedaling faster. I'm like, buddy, you don't have to keep going. He's like, no, I feel like a knife cutting through the wind. I want to go faster, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I have a kid who has literally no fear when it comes to speed. The first time he went up the big part of the hill with my wife, there's a video of him skiing a little slow until he sees the downward slope that's straight, literally just turns his skis and goes just flying down this hill. Like, good. I'm you know what you need to be doing right now? You need to be going and saving up for like a geo tracker or something, or like a little Suzuki, like you know, something that's like three gears that he can't do more than sixty-five miles an hour. Because oh that man, steering well when he's sixteen, you are screwed, my friend. Your insurance yeah. through the roof, speeding yeah. tickets through the roof, driving record. I mean, your son's gonna be a hellion. 
but yeah, I, I anticipate many a broken bones in my future. So, uh, uh, shout, shout out. Uh, hopefully tomorrow I'm not one of those. But peace out, everybody. It's been a great season. I win it all. Thanks for the booze. Uh, I'll hit you guys up next time with my uh, jersey for the uh, right. Seahawks. And um, I, and I owe you an eight pack. Because I doubled or nothing like a loop, like an idiot. All right, let's get out of here. All right, buddy. Peace. Peace.